Welcome to NFT Sundays, a weekly conversation around art and technology, brought to you by Dementi and the Museum of Crypto Art. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the next episode of NFT Sundays. I am Colborne Bell with the Museum of Crypto Art. I am here with Mocha's sponsor, Kat Akuchi, <laughs> and of course, Julian Brangold, uh, artist. And how would you describe your, your role at Crypto Art Argentina? I would say artist and um, organizer, maybe. Yeah, it's, you know, I want to give like kind of the organization, the flatness that it's, it's due. Um, yeah. Because it really is of this community. And I think this is going to be just a wonderful discussion. Um, so to, to begin, you know, I would love to just hear about you. Um, Tell us, you know, who you are, where you come from, and, and how you came to find crypto art. Sure. So um, I'm an Argentinian. Um, I'm very based in Buenos Aires. Um, I've been in the traditional art world for around like 12 years um, and in the crypto art space for around two, um, a little under two years. Um, and yeah, so I would say mainly my practice um, revolves around technology so how technology you know transforms how we define ourselves how we define humans and a little a little bit after i went into crypto art i started um, getting in touch with a community of argentinian artists um, that we named crypto arg arg um, and yeah so the journey from there was like being more and more a part of that community and organizing things together and, and coming together to like share point of views and um, information. And then we started organizing exhibitions together and drops together. And then we recently had a huge um, AFK show um, in a huge space with over 30 artists. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much like my involvement in the space right now. And I want to give credit where, where credit is due because you were early, right? You guys were all early. And, you know, I know that's a byproduct of, of many, many things. Um, but I think your story, I think the story of Crypto Arc um, and the artist in Argentina is really uh, just a exemplary crypto art story. Um, Maybe maybe you want to take on that question first and begin to describe perhaps why you think Argentina as a nation was early to crypto art. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> I recently heard someone that's like super into crypto and like very in touch with the Ethereum Foundation say that Argentina is the new capital of crypto. Um, and I guess there's a lot of factors that make it so. Um, mainly like an incredibly unstable economy and um, a lot of restrictions on like um, certain operations you can do with money and like imports, exports, that kind of thing. Um, and specifically with the art scene, I would say it's really hard to be an artist here, like especially, I mean, it's, it's hard to be an artist everywhere, but here is like almost not an option to make a living off of your practice. Um, so what I saw in the beginning was like a lot of people saw it as a way of making a living. Yeah. Honestly, that's like the main thing. 
And at the same time, it's a space that when you begin navigating it, it's very like new and hard to understand and hard to like grasp. So we were just like, we were doing something that we very normally do as like, I don't know, South American, Latin, I don't know how you want to call it, but it was like get together, talk, exchange ideas, exchange information, help each other. Um, it was really about that. Like the main reason we started talking to each other and getting to gathering was exchange of information, helping each other, et cetera. And I would say, yeah, the, the, the attractive thing for me is that those things can happen and thrive. Yeah. Um, so talk now about, you know, Crypto Argentina, how many artists are members? Yeah. So, so we have, um, 25, around 25 artists that are kind of like the founding members, which were the first 25 people that joined the discord server and did like participated on the first collaboration, the first like big collaboration we did. Um, so those 25 were like the legacy, you know, uh, members of CryptoArg. But then we started opening it. Shout them out if you would. Who are um, these artists? Okay, so Frenetic Void was the person that started the server. Um, then Milton Sanz, uh, Federico Bona, Okitomo, Guido Corallo, um, Koch, Joaquina, Salgado, Crypto Baby, Crypto Baby, Lulu de Carton, uh, Lulu Colashi, sorry, um, uh, Lucia Tierra Raras, Lucy Tierra Raras. Um, I don't want to forget anyone, but I'm sure you're going to forget you, some people, but yeah, those are some of the like main, like the, the first people that, that, that were there when we were talking, um, in the beginning. And now it's grown to, I would imagine over 250 people. Incredible. Yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. And I remember so uniquely in the beginning, the aesthetic that was coming out of Argentina. And I think it speaks very much to your aesthetic. It is um looking at like body and identity and form and like surrealist shape and it's uh you know from the people you you mentioned there is such a unique and edge of this movement <laughs> um maybe maybe you want to speak to to that a bit sure yeah so there was a very interesting thing that happened we worked with a curator from argentina that has a lot of experience in arts related to technology um, for the big exhibition, the big like AFK exhibition we, we had. And she said that going through everyone's works, she discovered that there definitely is something about the art here and the tradition of art here. Yeah. So it's crazy to think that we have this like such um, non-geographical you know, art movement where you can be anywhere and participate and be a part. So it like kind of makes the place where you are a bit obsolete and like non-important. But at the same time, all us, all of us being from the same region, there's definitely something in the tradition of art in Argentina that we not very knowingly, you know, pick up. And mm. and and that combined with like technology, because I mean, most of the artists work with computers and technology and like most of them have it as a subject matter or as a tool. Um, that combination brings out, I think, this like crazy aesthetic that you can definitely tell, OK, this is like kind of an art movement and not so much just, you know, people getting together to um, do something for one for like one time. 
I think it is just like very native to Argentina. And I think it, it's certainly cultural, right? And mm -hmm. I think it, it captures this idea of crypto being in a, in a place where perhaps like, you know, a government or an authority figure has largely failed the population. Having that like individual resolve, that strength, but also that knowledge and know-how to participate in these groups that made it a very natural fit. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So do you want to, you know, maybe speak on, you know, what are kind of like the benefits you see to operating in more of a collective as opposed to perhaps a, a more traditional uh, individualistic approach to, to art? Sure. Yeah. So I would say the main thing I saw at least um impact the collective was the flow of information yeah like definitely in a new space that's like being formed as we participate in it and it's not you know this solid thing as opposed to like the traditional art world where it's already like this structure that works in a certain way i mean this space is still after all the madness and the you know explosion it's still being formed and, you know, shaped as we participate in it. And what I like most about the space is that you can have an idea executed and there's space to like, you know, really bring new dynamics to the table. So I think in that, in that aspect, the flow of information between individuals in a, in a space where, you know, you know that the people that are in front of you understand the kind of like struggles or obstacles you have. Mm. I think that is, is, is the, like the hardest, the, sorry, the strongest thing that, that, that resonates in the community. Then also like collaborating and like feeding off of each other's practices and learning new tools that also empower what you're doing and your own aesthetic, like, when I first got into crypto art and in the collective, I mean, my, my grasp of the tools was like not nearly as good as it is now. And that is in big part because of teaching each other, sharing resources, working together. So, but that also falls into the category of, you know, flow of information. So exchange, it, you know? Right. And something that's always been so impressive for me and very clear and evident is like the rapid pace at which artists in Argentina are learning these new tools and being able to like express and bring forward. I mean, I think even you yourself, you know, you, you started um, doing more of like the line drawings or the tattoo work that you did, but then like moving into 3D and, and figuring out like, new models and mediums of expression within the space. Um, yeah. So to see you all like come together and like push this aesthetic and push this collective vision, uh, it's, 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 it's cool. You know, it just, yeah. it, it makes me excited yeah. because it's a brand new model. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm also super like excited about the fact that in the space that we're coming into, which is, you know, web three, the crypto technology, etc. There's a big part of that, you know, ecosystem that's about making better collaborations, making better tools for people to work together, 
like DAOs and tokens and these kind of things that make it, or at least seek to in the future, make it better to like collaborate and work and organize. So I'm super like excited about that, that it's like we are going into the space that's actually developing the tools that will make this collaboration easier, better, more transparent, more trustless, like the, those kind of things. I think you guys keep the values and you know, what's always been impressive to me is that like you are not afraid and maybe because it's you have each other to, to like fall back on, you're not afraid to take the meta approach on the space and to effectively say like, this is wrong or like, you know, this person like can just like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it's, I don't <laughs> sure, want to say yeah, it, yeah. but um, yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I think shout out game disease. I think that is, uh, yeah. you know, continues to just kind of carry that artistic and symbolic weight given what is happening right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you if you survey the space, that's like a, the only project that brings like a deep rooted, like informed critique of like the stereotypes of the people that are actually making the space crazy. And, you know, there's not so many spaces um, that criticize, you know, the, the space itself yeah. in a way that, you know, we can laugh about ourselves, recognize ourselves in those stereotypes. And it's constructive because we see like the crazy ridiculousness of it all, which is always there, even, even if we don't want to see it. Yeah. Um, and when I first came into the space, I, I, I felt that there was a bit of a, a potential space for critique, you know, and, and, and these guys like made this whole like universe of just laughing, not at, but with the stereotypes and the craziness and the, you know, ridiculousness of it all. It's poignant satire, right? Exactly. It's, it's um, and it's critical. And it's critical yes. in the way that we should be looking at this because it should not be like funneling $70 million to one creator who did like a low effort profile picture project. Exactly. Like let's bring it to the artists and let's have like the artists teach us and have the like economic freedom to lift and show us like the further edges of this new world that we're going into. So when we look yes. at the project, a lot of it, you know, has to do with like degenerate gambling yes. or <laughs> or yeah. even like, you know, the, the the clown nose or the broken astronaut helmets or like it, it asks us, who are we and, and where are we going? Yeah, um, exactly. And I think that I, I was I was watching an interview to Mike Kelly, the artist, and he said this, the only social function of art is to fuck things up. Yeah. And I could not agree with that more. So I love these kind of projects that take this like medium of the 10K PFP, but make something that fucks things up in the middle. It's not like pandering to the audience. Audience, It's challenging the audience to say like, okay, these, you know, stereotypes exist. These crazy characters are not so far from reality. So it, it makes you see things a bit differently, which I really like. I mean, you know, <laughs> how, how literally do you take, I mean, just like now you're coming back from Patagonia, right? They call it the edge yeah. of the world. Like, do you guys feel yeah. like you are kind of on the edge of the world and meant to kind of like reflect this back just like to the West or to Europe, which seem to be more of the, the dominant markets in this? Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, it's interesting that 
as an artist that um, has been in the traditional art world for a long time, I can definitely say I've always felt a bit in the periphery of like the art scene, the, the global art scene. And whenever you go to a fair in Europe and you see artists from South America that made it, they usually talk about, you know, you know, poverty or hunger or economic um, instability. So there's a certain like, there's a certain expectation that the world normally tends to have from artists that are like so far in the periphery. Um, and that I feel like makes it so much more interesting that there's such a, you know, variety of voices, variety of styles, variety of aesthetics, but at the same time, there's like clearly something you can tell about like this kind of like critique or, you know, bending of the rules or, you know, the formation, abstract, abstraction, surrealism, like these kind of things that bring us together. The, yeah, the surrealist undertones in, in all of the work um, is, is, is very, very powerful for me. Again, just I remember being shocked by the aesthetic. The, you know, something that was also like very powerful for me was the, the work that Crypto Baby was doing mm -hmm. in like yeah. the VJ rooms and how she was kind of able to you know, come out of like the the audio visual scene and like translate that work during the middle of COVID. Um, yeah. You know, the- Yeah, she's great. She's brilliant, brilliant. And she yeah. was the first to like really, for me, push these like 3D artworks that she was creating in virtual reality where you were able to more like step into her world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like that. And in the in the exhibition we had, she something that was interesting about the exhibition was that we wanted to challenge the, you know, the notion of an NFT exhibition as we were seeing it was happening a lot, which was more looked a bit like a showroom where you had like all like equal screens showing the NFTs and then a QR code where you could scan and buy the work. Yeah. We wanted to really like make it about the art and not the fact that they were NFTs even though the works were NFTs. And she created this like whole structure that you like crawled into to like navigate this, you know, this simulation that you could like control in real time. So she was playing with the space in the physical space and in the virtual space that you were like controlling from within that capsule. So it was super interesting. Let's talk more about this exhibition because I think the idea of, uh, this was not like a white, room you know this was not no. a white cube so please tell everybody just you know about this exhibition sure so um the idea was mainly to bring crypto artists together that could show their work in a way that was you know interesting as an art exhibition and as an experience for someone to navigate and we were approached by this space they offered us to like you know throw this exhibition the space is like this huge industrial warehouse that now turned into a you know cultural center where they you know do several different things um, but it's an enormous space it's definitely not a white cube because it has like some industrial you know remains um, and it's enormous like the ceilings are like ridiculously high it's like a super interesting space in itself so it was like quite 
cool to bring our works there and kind of like intervene the space a bit. So yeah, so we basically um, wanted to 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 do like an ex to, to create an experience that was beyond the screen, but at the same time, you know, respecting the fact that we are all digital technological artists. Um, so yeah, um, we worked with a curator called Merlina Rani. Um, she did an amazing job of like bringing all the pieces together in one like narrative that was cohesive and you could like go and feel it as a, like a compendium that worked, but at the same time keeping like the individual works interesting and with their own like space to experience and reflect. Um, and yeah, I think it was like a huge success. And I really like the fact that we self-organized, self-funded, self-everything. Um, we didn't depend upon any institution or gallery or art dealer or whatever. Like we just had the idea, we brought it all together and we executed it ourselves with our own funds, with our own like, you know, organization. We created our own committees of like production, curation, execution, um, building, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a pretty unique, you know, um, it's a pretty unique thing, especially coming from the traditional art world where these things are so hard to, you know, put together as a collective in that scale at least. Yeah, I mean, what does it mean for you, for the artists again, to have like so much autonomy over like the physical installation and exhibition. Um, it's 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 freeing, you know. It like gives you more space to create, which for me is like the most important thing of this whole universe is having more time, more freedom to create, more individuality to do whatever you want, to defy, you know, more limits to make crazier and crazier things and more challenging things that are critical that make you think that make you like go outside your circle of belief um for me that's the end goal in art is like to have more time more resources to do more things to make more art to make more cultural production etc because you guys are just pushing on the limits of the experiential right and that is so mm -hmm. attractive to me and i think we see that as a, a mega trend that makes the art more engaging and dynamic and just like suitable for a contemporary audience is that mm -hmm. it's it's no longer about the object but it's also about like the object the environment the the context of all of that interplaying with like the relationship with the viewer absolutely uh, yes and and i think you all are masters really like masters <laughs> of this new form of expression and whether it is like virtual reality or augmented reality or now going into the physical um, you continue to just show like boundless creativity across mm -hmm. it all. Uh, and for me, like that is the inspiration. Like it, people continue to like hammer NFT into something very derivative. And yeah. I, I continue to try and like rip it apart and show people like it is not one thing. So absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, I, and, and coming from like a, uh, like a space where we built a collective with so many like different views and at the same time so many opportunities showing up that we didn't have before because definitely we didn't have them before um it's it's a bit of a shame to see you know that's that part of the narrative 
is a bit forgotten in the discourse. In the short term. In the short term, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, I agree, I agree. Yeah, look, I've seen it before with 2017. It, it you know, the, the pure essence that made it so beautiful and attractive and called people in um, eventually just gets overrun with like the worst people trying to manipulate and distort that. And, and it's, um, well, there's, there's a million reasons that we don't need to get into as to why. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're paying the price of being the experimental phase of this whole thing. Yeah. And that's really, for me, it's just exciting. I don't, I don't care, you know, cause it's like, it's such an experimental new and still forming thing that you know i don't know i just go forward i mean it's it's just what i tell anybody who says there's no art here i'm saying if they tell me there's no art i'm like you are looking definitely into the middle you are looking at mm -hmm. what the media is telling you and you are not looking to the edge like because yes. at the edge of this scene is where real experimentation is happening and it's yeah. kind of our collective responsibility to recognize it to like reward it with some value so those people at the edge can either one, like continue to go out to the edge and their art mm -hmm. can be brought more into the mainstream so Definitely. that like people can see it, experience it. And as you say, like unlock new places of themselves uh, where they are. Um, sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's just, I don't know. That's just what I love so much about like, it's it's Argentina is incredibly attractive to to me as like a place to continue um, pushing. So what is you know forward looking like? What is exciting you both like personally and uh, you know within this space? So yeah, I'll talk a bit about like my practice, my particular practice because I recently tokenized the work that's a short film 30 minute long film so i'm excited to push the boundaries of the format how did you do that so basically zora um has a very large limit to the files that you can upload to ipfs so yeah i mean it was one gigabyte file and i, I tokenized it through them incredible yeah and I mean, speaking of Sora, I'm excited about the, um, so in terms of my, my work and like, I, I always like to, to like push the boundaries of my own formats. So the things that I am comfortable with, and you can see that in my work, you probably saw it, which is that I change aesthetics, styles, themes a lot because I cannot ever stay in one place. Um, and I like that because I feel like, I mean, I respect the artists that are obsessed with one thing and I'm super like intrigued, but by that way of, you know, facing art, but I am like the opposite. Like I get obsessed deeply about like different things all the time. And that comes with like, you know, different aesthetic worlds. And I'm into a lot of different aesthetic practices. And sometimes I'm into sound and sometimes I'm into coding. So I cannot stay in like one lane. Um, at a time. Um, so for me, it's like pushing the boundaries of the format and what you can do with the tools and 
how you can create experiences um, with the tools that always like don't look like the previous experience. Um, that's from the on the artistic side. Um, well, tell us more. Also, tell us more about this film. Sure. So, yeah. um, so this is the the first work that I made that's self-referential in my life, in my whole practice. So I always had my subjects were you know out there, and I mean we could have hours of conversation about like why that can be, but. Um, this is the first film where I like take experiences from my life and I started writing down dreams and I was thinking a lot about how some memories always have this like sort of scary dark undertone even though they're not like a bad thing that happened and the same happens with dreams where you like wake up and you have this like anxious feeling about a dream that was just like something very simple or silly mm. um so i was trying to I, I was like very interested and intrigued about this like relationship with the past and with memory and with dreams so i wanted to make a film that had a bit of like nostalgia and looking into like my dreams and how some things mix together and there's like dreams that you remember as real memories and there's like memories that you think might have been dreams like how you know memory rebuilds things in this like very particular way and all that like you know run by this or like interpreted or through the funnel of like the technological tools i'm using and how technology and like video games and this like culture around the digital also plays a part in all of this or can like be a tool to explore this um, so yeah, basically I made this film where I explore memories and dreams from my childhood and, hmm. um, some are made up, some are like real and it all mixes together. And this, it's like this, you know, very ethereal kind of surrealist experience with no set format. There's no like narrative line. It's just like moments that you go through. And it, the idea is just like bring you to these like situations and, I mean, I'll tell you, it reminds me, and this is very random, and I'm sorry for this, but it reminds me of a, uh, a built to spill lyric, uh, I want to see movies of my dreams, right? Uh -huh. And yeah. like, I always loved that because I just love the idea of that feeling of like sitting back and be the viewer of your own subconscious. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I practice meditation and that's a little bit what you do is like you observe your own process of thought and that's like mainly what meditation is it's like observing the process of like thoughts popping into consciousness and then going away and it when you do that long enough you start realizing you start like noticing you know the observer and what's going yeah. on with the observer i don't want to go too too deep into that but um but yeah basically like you observe your own thoughts and that was like the kind of exercise I was doing. And and, th and this work is, is special to me as well because it was one of the first works where I was just like following intuition in this process of like observing memory and, and thought process. I was really following intuition. I wasn't thinking too much about like the ideas I had. Something popped into my mind. I was like, okay, this has to go in the film. I was like trying to keep it very, you know, fresh and like intuitive and non like non like analytical um and yeah and, and i like the idea that um it's such a short span in in the crypto culture 
normally in the crypto art culture there's like loops and small films uh short films sorry very very short like two minute one minute and a half films yeah. and or, or or images which can like bring bring your attention to a certain spot but um i feel like a long film also challenges this like idea of what an nft is and i really like that i'm excited about like challenging those limits you know i mean it's such a wonderful point right people like make it as derivative as just a jpeg but the nft is is such a bigger wrapper for anything um absolutely yes. yeah so i'm yeah. i'm excited to see that and i get that question all the time from filmmakers you know especially like indie filmmakers or or people that want to pursue this um, yeah there's a lot of space to explore there i think that there's so much to develop there and that's like very exciting for me it's one of the most exciting things of this whole you know and, and we see the marketplaces more and more like giving those tools to the creators to to push that because I think it has grown a bit like static and stale. And when everybody is just like rushing to kind of like shoehorn their old Instagram practice into this space, well, it's like <laughs> this is what we've seen the same thing for eight years. And now you're just going to like try and sell it like no, let's look further. Let's think about like tokenized worlds and videos and experiences. Exactly. Um, yes. And, and I think that enriches the space so much. Like that's what makes it richer, more interesting, more appealing to outside viewers. I mean, that's where, you know, I think the focus should be um, in like challenging those limits. And that's what it made, you know, that's what was interesting to me as a collector in, in the beginning as well. And I hope like mm -hmm. others continue to come in and like assume the mantle to find the, the outside and different work. And we move away from just like this, this rampant trend following. Um, mm, yes. But that is, yes. of course, like part of the work here to to tell people to, you know, to point to signals of, of where the art is and kind of invite people to dive in and, and go down the rabbit hole. Exactly. And I'm excited about that too. Where does it take us? I mean, I, I want to kind of look also at, at the broader question and, you know, like the, the speed of cultural transmission um, and how also like crypto as this instant value transfer mechanism begins to like point to uh like the speed at which we're communicating in the cultural dialogues that we're having uh mm -hmm. what do you kind of see as like the the ultimate end goal and the interplay with traditional arts if that question makes sense yes yes it does make sense i mean what i'm trying to push for now and to explore is for both worlds to enrich each other and yeah. to inform each other of the possibilities because um, i think that the traditional art world has a lot to bring into the table of the already existing crypto art scene um, and at the same time there's a lot of tools and a lot of freedom and a lot of you know experimentation that could definitely enrich the traditional art world so i feel like this like there's going to be like this spiral of like mutual information sharing and mutual you know mutual enrichment um where you know it's going to get to a point where the good things of the crypto art scene and the good things of the traditional art world 
can you know melt together maybe not everywhere so i feel like this is going to happen in small niches yeah. and the mainstream is still going to be the mainstream and there's not not much we can do about that and that's fine because i feel like art has to be a bit on the fringe to be interesting because you know when you become too big you have to like pander to someone and art should never pander to anyone you know should always challenge even the people that are supporting it and i don't want to get too political but if you have too strong of a support of someone then your goals magically start aligning with their goals and that's very dangerous so i feel like if there's small niches where you know tools like DAOs can help traditional institutions become more transparent more agile more fresh and at the same time you know there's I don't know, critics, curators that come into the space and help build narratives that can be more, you know, holistic in their at least documentation and organization and observation of what's going on. I feel like for me, that's already like an amazing thing to happen, which I think is going to happen. I think there's a lot to unpack there, and I think it was really well said. I think it was a bit of a shame, perhaps, that like the, the Beeple sale led NFTs into the mainstream because everybody just immediately associated NFTs with artwork and like selling at Christie's and presented perhaps like the false narrative of a gold rush for artists. Yes. Um, yes. Be because it really wasn't the case. You know, there were maybe a handful of artists that were, uh, being able to make any sort of living from it. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And it was just more experimentation for experimentation's sake. And then yeah. it just, it got flooded. Uh, yes. And it was crazy for us, like in CryptoArc to see, because we like got together around like June, July, 2020. And yeah. then, you know, October, November, we started seeing this, like what's going on? Like the first records, record sales we like were we were on the discord talking to each other when it happened and we were like commenting on it live and it's this is crazy i mean i remember the first um trevor jones fifty thousand dollars sale that was like wow what the fuck is going on here yeah. and then from there it was like a few months until like it became this like madness yeah and this is definitely not reflective of our reality like we are not having those sales we're just like producing art and some of us yes making a living which is like for me the first time i see it in like a collective of artists yeah um but also just like getting together experimenting even having fun partying together like yeah yeah ah, just being creative and being free you know yeah. that's that's again it goes back to the spirit of this and i like would invite anybody that is looking for like the heart and soul of what is happening in this world to like go to crypto arg like just experience <laughs> the artists experience the people that are involved in this movement because um you know you're the first person i call whenever i'm in doubt <laughs> and i appreciate I've, that yeah and i've been i've been in certainly like a bit of of doubt lately um, mm -hmm. But whenever I return to like the artists that I know, the artists who hold the morals and the principles out of the space that attracted, I just know we're going to be fine, right? And it's, it's what you said. We need to have this like reflexive conversation. Um, we need to invite people outside in to show them, you know, what we think is important and explain to them. And we also have to like 
<coughs> lift people up and out of the scene. So there are native curators and there are native critics. Um, Definitely. And we also have to move art to, as you said, like the niche, you know, yes. it, it's, it is very niche and it was never meant to be like this mainstream thing. And yes. And for me, you know, it, it never mattered particularly if there were sales or how the market was moving for one of one art. But I will tell everybody very clearly, it's where the value is, right? It's where the mm -hmm. value is. Um, and it doesn't necessarily translate to dollar signs, but if you're looking for like the message and the philosophy of what is important, like go to the artwork of these fringe places and the people that are experimenting and see it. And then you will recognize that like how and why and where it is important. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, I feel like art has always been about those like strange places, the uncanny, the places that you can't really explain. Right. I and mean, if you can, if you can put it in a very clear box and explain it and, you know, make a whole like marketing thing around, I, I don't know, like that's where for me it gets a bit like uninteresting and uncritical. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry to see so much like that, so much of that thriving because of like the, you know, monetary incentives, but I still feel like there's a lot of people that are just like making interesting stuff and fucking things up. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's like, it's the difference between like sugar and kale, you know, like one is just like in and in the bloodstream and gone and it's, yes. it's like terrible for you and people are just like dousing sugar down their mouth when they need to like yeah. sit with the substance and digest it and like a lot of the best artwork in this space remains unsold. If I could buy it all, yeah. I absolutely <laughs> would. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I can't anymore. Uh, so, you know, I, I'll try and like yeah. bring the information to people in another way. That's um, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I, you know, like I think, I mean, we'll do it together. Yeah. I think like, also I thank Dementi for like giving us this platform and this audience and the ability to like continue these conversations and, and producing all of this because, um, you know, I go back to like all of us being together in New York at that time and like in that place and it was kind of also like a, a again like a what the fuck moment you know like here we are we were like just like playing around in the sandbox and now it's like new york city all the way to the attention um of of something we probably wouldn't have expected absolutely so, yeah. And, yeah and we gravitated towards each other which is like yeah. what i like and yeah. and away from certain circles and like you know spectacles that we clearly like like collectively we're not interested in and i and i really that was very like eye-opening for me like yeah I, we, we found each other organically because of our values right yeah and yeah. when we think about what the world of the metaverse is it is truly like borderless right we are forming mm -hmm. friendships like online in these communities and we're doing it not because of like the way people look, the way people are, how much money they have, whatever it is, like people are all presenting their ideas, thoughts and beliefs online into this global forum. And then we're beginning to like self sort around the things that we want to work on and the things that we believe are important. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And, and it doesn't matter for the first time, at least for me, it doesn't matter where you're from or where you're like making your work from. 
you can find me at, at Julian Brangold on Twitter. JulianBrangold.com is my website. Um, and yeah, just my name, you know, my handle is the same everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, etc. And CryptoArg is CryptoARG underscore. Um, you can find um, CryptoArg also on Twitter, Instagram, etc. And yeah, I mean, I would encourage people to see because there's a lot of interesting, you know, art being produced yeah. and, and undervalued. So, yeah. I'll second that, like dive into, you know, connect with Julian, dive into Crypto Argentina, uh, learn about the artists, see the work. It is truly like mind blowing stuff. So, you know, Thank again, you. for NFT Sundays, I'm Colborn Bell with Museum of Crypto Art. A huge thank you to Julian Brangold uh, and to Minty for producing the episode.